0: On today's episode, we spend a few more minutes talking about the word offend. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message, reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. I hope by now you've had a chance to sit down and listen to the episode that we did earlier in the week with Glenn Blankenship on the Word Offend. We gave a good definition, I think, this idea of causing someone to stumble or to sin, and then we talked about also the typical way we use that word, which is to hurt someone's feelings or to make someone angry, and that we need to be careful not to do either one of those. When the Bible talks about being offended, it is talking about bringing someone to sin, But there are plenty of passages that also talk about being careful about the way we approach people, how we talk to people, and not causing them to become hurt or angry or exasperated with us in some way. And one of the things I really appreciated about the episode was that Glenn brought out that it's like scales. There's responsibility on both sides of the table, that we need to be careful that we're not being offensive. But we also need to be careful that we're not being offended easily. Because, honestly, there's just as much responsibility, if not more, on the side of the listener than there is on the side of the speaker. If the speaker is speaking gently and respectfully, even if they're having the best attitude possible, if we don't like what they say, it is easy to kill the messenger instead of hear the message. And I think sometimes that's what happens. Well, what do you do when that does happen? Glenn and I talked about this the other day, but because time did not permit, it got cut from the episode. But I wanted to make sure to include this for you, because I think it's important that we see what the resolution is whenever there is a fence that has happened. There's two main passages I want to look at. And you're going to find that the responsibility for solving these sorts of issues again, fall on both sides of the table. It's not just about the person who has been hurt, but it's also about the person who has done the hurting. Over in Matthew chapter 18, there's this section, verse 15 down through 17. Let's read that. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if you won't listen, Take one or two others with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. I want you to notice the beginning of that passage is you go and tell the brother who has hurt you, who has caused you to sin, or who has sinned against you. That idea of personal accountability, that there is a responsibility on the side of the table toward the one who has been hurt, they must take that responsibility and go confront their brother. And I don't think that that necessarily needs to be with accusation or with some sense of confrontation. Notice, go tell him his fault between you and him alone make this as easy as possible on the other person in order for them to fix whatever the problem was. That's the goal. The goal is for the problem to be fixed. It's not for you to get your words out. It's not for you to, to speak your piece. It's not for you to make sure that, that they get what's coming to them or they get told what's up. No, you, you just say, hey, you know, this happened, and I want to understand more about why this happened. You you said this thing, or you did this thing, or you hurt me in this way. I want to make get this all out on the table and make sure that we're okay. You know, if you've if he listens to you, you've won your brother. That's the goal: win your brother. And whether we're talking about offense in the sense of causing someone to sin, that brother probably did not want to cause you to sin. Maybe his Influence was so great and his actions were so unwise, but he didn't realize the impact his influence had on you. If we're talking about offense in the sense of hurting someone's feelings or causing someone to be angry, well then again, they might not know the impact they've had. And so go have a clarifying conversation with them that will allow you to get to the bottom of the problem. Now, if he won't listen to you, if he has a grudge against you, if he's having an attitude problem of some sort, well, now you know it is more personal, it is more about you, and therefore, that's why you can escalate this thing. If he won't listen, if he won't straighten his life up, if he won't do better than he's been doing, then you take two or three others with you so that there's evidence and there's eyewitnesses of the broken relationship. And there's evidence that you're doing your best to solve this broken relationship, and the brother who has offended you is not doing their part. And then if he doesn't listen to them, you take it to the whole church, and if he doesn't listen to the whole church trying to get him to straighten his life out, well then there are measures to be taken in order to get that problem fixed. This is the passage we're probably more familiar with and quick to turn to whenever there's a problem that has arisen. But there's another passage that talks about the other side of the table. It's back in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 says, so if you're offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him to the court or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out of there until you've paid the last penny. Here, the weight or the responsibility of Fixing a broken relationship or fixing an issue of offense is placed on the one who has done the offending. If he knows that he has broken a relationship in some way, well then it is his job to fix the problem. It is his job to be reconciled to his brother or sister. It's his job to make sure that he fixes the relationship on earth before he continues devoting himself in worship to the relationship he has with God in heaven. That is an odd concept to us, to put that relationship on earth to such priority instead of just continuing to worship God. But it is in keeping with so many other passages of Scripture. John spends a lot of time talking about this over in his first epistle. He says there in verse chapter 3, verse 10, this is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. And so here you've got two parts to Righteousness. It's not just about making right decisions about morality and behavior, but it's also about making right decisions regarding relationships that you share with your brother. Chapter four of that same letter spends a lot of time talking about our relationship with our brethren and how important that relationship is. I don't know that the language gets any stronger than what he says in chapter four Verse 20 and 21, if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So here we've got this concept laid out for us that we must love our brother and sister. We must be reconciled in those relationships. We must develop the relationships we have on earth just as much as we develop the relationship we have in heaven. Well, if we're going around defending people, talking in ugly ways, saying things that are um, maybe just too blunt or uh, without passion or compassion for others, if we're talking in ways that we know are going to be offensive, and we do this a lot when it comes to politics, or when it comes to social media, or when it comes to our personal views on social issues, and we will have this attitude of, you know what? I don't care what they think. If they don't like what I have to say, they don't have to listen to it. Or we'll make comments like, well, I love them, but I don't have to like them. I really just can't stand brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Well, those kind of statements betray a lack of love for brother or sister. They portray a lack of concern regarding the status of these relationships we have on earth. And that is absolutely offensive to God. It's offensive to God. You know, God created these people he placed this eternal soul in these people and then God didn't only create but he redeemed these people he sent his son from heaven to earth and through a difficult life on earth and a difficult ministry to the point to where Jesus died on the cross for that brother or sister you've offended he has done so much to show his his love for those people. Well, shouldn't we do the same? Shouldn't we have the same concern and focus on other people as God did? And if God was willing to do so much for those that the Bible calls his enemies, consider how Paul words it over in Romans chapter five, starting in verse six. For while we were still helpless, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, someone perhaps might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Do you see there? He called us helpless sinners who were enemies of God. That's how God has viewed us. Yet God went out of his way in order to show us love in order to make us feel loved, in order to redeem us and get us back into a right relationship with him. Do you remember the way Jesus worded it back in Matthew chapter 5? Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary or enemy while you're on the way with him to court. Do you realize that God did that for you and me? While we were on our way to court, also known as Judgment Day. And the judge, who is the one who was offended by us, met us on the way, reconciled his relationship with us, so that when we stand before him as our judge, we have hope. Is that not incredible? That God would do that, that God would straighten out our standing with the judge himself? before we appear before him in judgment? Because it says here that if you don't, you'll be handed over to the officer and thrown into prison, and you will not get out of there until you have paid the very last amount of your debt. Well, we can never pay off our debt. Our sin is too great, and yet our judge has redeemed us so that We are reconciled with him before we appear in judgment. I just love that God loves us so much that he would be willing to do that. And brothers and sisters, if God would be willing to do that, shouldn't we be willing to do that for others? That's exactly what it says over in 1 John 3, verse 16. 1 John 3, verse 16 which is in some ways a parallel to the famous John 3.16, which says that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Well, First John 3.16 says, this is how we've come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. You know, if I'm to be willing to do such a grand action, such as give my life up for my brother and sister, I can certainly give my offense up. I can certainly be reconciled in my relationship. Is there anybody that you have in your life that you have not forgiven? Or is there anybody in your life you know you've offended that you haven't sought forgiveness from? It is worth redeeming those relationships. It is worth setting those relationships right. It is worth Getting all of the offenses out of the way so that you can love your brother and sister sacrificially if necessary, because they are worth it to God, and therefore they should be worth it to us. I don't know where you're at in all of this. I don't know if there's some hurt feelings. I don't know if there's a problem you've faced in the past. I don't know if there's a grudge you're still holding. Or I don't know if maybe there's a grudge still being held against you. What I do know is this. No broken relationship is worth breaking your relationship with God. And that is exactly what happens. We're told over in Ephesians 4 verse 32 and so many other passages that he has forgiven us just as we have forgiven others. Well, if you've not forgiven others then he has the right to not forgive you. Let's not let that be true of us. Your eternal destiny is worth more than some temporary offense. I hope this episode has been helpful to you and it is something you'd be willing to share with your friends and family. We are always trying to get the word out about preach impediments. We think this is a great thing to do to share clarifying definitions with people so that we can have a better understanding of biblical truth. Uh, Pulpit words for the pew is the way we like to word it. And we hope that you'll share that with other people. Uh, You can send them to preachimpediments.com and they can see a list of all past episodes. And you can uh, interact with us there. Send us an email. Let us know what you think about the show. You can make sure to Tell us suggestions for future episodes. And of course, we'll try to get to those as quickly as we can. Also, we'd love to receive a rating. I don't know how you listen to our podcast, but if you listen to it on a podcast player like uh, the Apple podcast player or Spotify, you can sign in there and leave us a review. And that helps people find out more about Preach Impediments and people find the, the program among all the hundreds of possible programs they might listen to. Do that for all of your favorite podcasts, especially if they're sharing God's word, because we want to get God's word into the hands of people. Thank you for listening. Until next time.